Are you tired of being ripped off? Tired of not knowing how to get things done? Are you ready to do more? Be more? Then get ready to reclaim your independence. Reclaim the knowledge that is typically passed down by your father and grandfathers as it's been done for generations in this great country. Get ready to become a reclaimed American. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another fun-filled, exciting episode of the Reclaimed American Podcast, your number one source for learning how to get shit done. So, this is episode 11, and on this episode, we are going to cover car maintenance. And uh, that's actually kind of an important thing for what's going on right now. Uh, What I mean by that is I'm recording this Thursday night. It's actually going to be released tomorrow at some point. And here in the Houston area, we are having storms come through our area. So this would be one of the worst times for you to have a breakdown on the side of the road. And that's why I decided that this week's episode needed to be on car maintenance. In the recent past, I ran into a few instances where I saw people that didn't know how to do something to their car that, quite honestly, is a very basic skill. And everybody that drives a motor vehicle, regardless of if it's a car, a truck, a motorcycle, or even a bicycle. Okay, bicycles aren't motor vehicles, but you get the idea. If it has tires and it goes round and round on some kind of surface... You need to know how to change those tires at some point or do some kind of basic maintenance on them. Case in point, a couple weeks ago, I was out at a customer's location doing inspections and I finished up. I had to go by a gas station because my company truck was kind of low on fuel. So I go to this little gas station near the customer and when I pull up, I see this guy in a white pickup. And he's got an entire pallet of sod, also known as grass, for those that don't know what I mean by sod. Anyways, he had an entire pallet of sod in the back of his pickup. It was like a, it was a Chevy 1500 series pickup, half, a half ton pickup. And one of his tires is flat. He was an older gentleman, white, long hair. Maybe the years hadn't been quite so kind to him. But I see him go to his truck, kind of look at it for a minute, then go go to the front of the um, of the gas station. He just kind of stands there. Then he comes back out and he looks at his truck some more. So I'm kind of thinking maybe the dude's somewhat of a crackhead, or maybe he's waiting for somebody to show up. So as I'm watching, as I'm filling up with gas, I'm watching him, and he's just back and forth, back and forth, and. Finally, I see him break out the manual, the user manual for his vehicle. And at that point, I'm like, oh, God, this guy doesn't know how to change his own fucking tire. So, being the guy that I am, I decided, all right, well, let me finish filling up the truck. And then I'll I'll go and I'll ask him if he needs some help. So, sure enough, filled the truck up with fuel. Got everything done because we have to write down our our mileage on our receipt, our name, what customer we're visiting, and the job number that we were on. 
So I got all that taken care of, put that away, and I pull up next to him, roll down the window, and I'm just like, excuse me, sir, but do you need a hand with that? And he, he just looks at me. He's like, Oh, if you would, I would be so, I would be so thankful. Uh, I'll, I'll even pay you. And I'm like, don't worry about that. Just let's, let's get your tire changed. So I back my truck up. I park it somewhere out of the way and I come over and I, I assess the situation. And he hadn't gotten the spare tire pulled down yet. He had the jack and all the components out, but they're just kind of laying by the truck. And, you know, I, I asked him, I was like, all right, so actually, no, I, I'm sorry. I take that back. I didn't ask him anything. He actually volunteered, you know, I've had vehicles. Um, I've been driving all my life. I've always changed my own tires, but I've had this truck for 12 years and I've never once had to change a tire on it. And I'll be damned if I don't know how to do it. And I, I just don't know. So I look at him like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's a Chevy. My company truck over there, that's a Chevy. And I had to figure this shit out about six months ago myself. So I got this. So I take the jack. I put it under his rear axle um, by where the leaf spring connects to the axle. I start cranking up on the tire, get it up, get it to where the flat tire is up off the ground. He had already loosened up quite a few of the lug nuts. So it wasn't that hard to get the rest of them loose. And once I got the the flat tire off, then I go over, I show him how to lower down his spare tire. Because on Chevy, uh, this is probably a 2000, and somewhere between a 2000 and a 2005 model, I'm guessing. But anyways, there's a little plastic tab over by the license plate on the rear bumper. You lift that tab up, and there's a little socket that you can put the the shafts that come with the jack. You feed those through that little socket, and it engages the lowering mechanism for the spare tire. It's total pain in the ass, uh, that shitty design in my opinion, but whatever. Anyway, so I get his tire down, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, when's the last time you checked the pressure on this thing? Oh, I don't know. It's been there since I got the truck. I ain't never checked it. So I kind of push on it and I could tell it was a little soft. I'm like, well, let's see what happens when we get it on the truck and we start putting a little, little weight on it. So I get it put on the, on the truck. I tighten up all the lug nuts and then I start lowering it down. And sure enough, the tire is just compressing with the weight. So I get it down to where there's about an inch or two inches before the rim would hit the pavement. And fortunately, he was parked right by the air pump at the gas station. And so uh, we get the air pump going. I drag the hose over. I start putting air in it. Sure enough, it's holding pressure. So it's like, oh, thank you, God. And we get him aired up, put the flat tire in the bed of his truck, give him all his parts. As I'm about to drive off, I look over and I realize the little lowering mechanism that was holding his spare tire is still down and it's on the ground so i get out of my truck real quick i run over there i'm like oh hold on a second we forgot to raise the little thing for the spare tire so get his tools back out raise that back up 
And then I, I waited until I saw him drive off and knew he was somewhat safe. But anyway, so that brought up a very interesting point, though. Here you are, or here, here we had this older gentleman that did not know how to change his own tire. You would think that, oh man, this guy is probably in his six, 50s, 60s, whatever. Surely he knows how to change a tire, and perhaps once upon a time he did. But vehicles change all the time. Construction of the vehicles change, and the location in which you can put and not put a jack also changes. And we'll get into that here in just a moment. But, uh, so anyways, yes, today's episode is over car maintenance. And I've got a little list of about 10 items that I wanted to point out and bring to everyone's attention. For me, this is like car maintenance 101. But I understand that not everybody knows how to do this. I've got a niece. She's got a really nice, like, 2017... Toyota RAV4 or some crap like that. Really nice looking car. I asked her if her dad had shown her how to change her tire yet. And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. All right. Well, this is kind of a lead up in going into all that. If you're going to get your child a car, one of the first things you should do is show them, one, how to check their oil how to check the coolant levels in the vehicle, and how to change tire. Because that's the worst thing to have go out on you and not know how to do. And then you have to sit around and wait for somebody else to come help you. Where if you knew how to change your own tire, at least, that that's to me, that's one of the biggest roadside emergencies that there is. You always see people on the side of the road with a flat tire. And so that's actually number one on our list is tires. Now, in the background, if you hear thunder and booming and whatnot, well, okay, if you hear booming, that is thunder. Because, yes, we are in the middle of a thunderstorm at the moment. But this is the only time I have to record this, so let's go. All right, so number one, tires. One of the biggest things with a tire outside of air pressure is... The condition of the tire. Does it look like it's dry rotted? Does it look um, like there's chunks of tire missing, like you ran over the curb or something? Um, you also need to look at the tread. Now, one of the basic checks that um, that people can do is take a penny, turn old Lincoln upside down, and stick his head down into your tire tread. If you can see the top of his head your tires are too bald or too worn. Now, a lot of modern tires have uh, these little strips in them that uh, are indicators of tread life. And if your tire tread is even with those little bumps that, that run across the tread of your tire, then you need to replace the tires. Also, inflation. Now, this is... This is a sticky point for me. I'm one of those people, I like a firm tire because I, I want to make sure that I've got a good hard tire in case I have to put a load into the vehicle. I don't want the tire to be squat down and, and whatnot. And I like being able to feel the road. But, like on my Suburban, the tires that I use, 
have a maximum inflation pressure of 80 PSI. But the proper way to inflate those tires is to whatever it says when you open up your driver door. Um, if you open up your driver's side door and either look on the door jam or the frame of the opening, or if you look on the side of the door itself, you'll see a tag somewhere that will say the proper tire inflation pressures. Those are numbers that the manufacturer came up with and said, this is what this tire should be inflated to. Disregard that maximum pressure rating on your tire. Inflate to this pressure. And on Suburban, that's like 35, 40 PSI. But like I said, I like a little bit firmer of a tire, so I usually inflate mine to like 50, 55. But every tire is different. Uh, most passenger vehicles, their tires will have a maximum inflation pressure of 35, 40 PSI. Sometimes they might go up to 50, but it all depends on the tire. So one, familiarize yourself with what the proper pressure should be for your vehicle. Uh, the next item in tires is also your spare tire. What is the condition of your spare? Do you have a spare? If you have a spare tire, do you also have a jack and a lug wrench so you can jack up your vehicle and take the thing off. I've got a neighbor who bought a new car a few years ago and she found out, I'm going to say she found out the hard way, maybe she knew when she bought it, I'm not sure, but her vehicle did not come with a spare tire. I don't understand that. Why would anyone sell a vehicle without a spare tire? I mean, that ranks up there with living in Texas and buying a car that doesn't have air conditioning. You just don't do it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, make sure you've got a spare tire. Check the condition of that tire. Make sure it's not dry rotted or deteriorated to the point that it cannot be used. And also make sure that it's at proper inflation as well. Uh, kind of like, you know, that guy that I helped out. We took the tire off. It was basically flat. Um, if he hadn't been where there was an air pump, he would have been screwed because that particular day, I did not have my portable air pump on the truck, which also that is another very important tool to keep in your vehicle if you can, is some kind of portable air pump. Typically, you can get them where they're either battery operated or you plug it into the cigarette lighter or power jack on your vehicle because, oh my God, no cars come with cigarette lighters anymore. So anyways, that actually takes care of the first item, tires. Now also, the second item that I've got still, still works with tires though, and that is, can you change your tire? Have you ever actually done this? My opinion is if, if you're a parent and you get a kid a car, the first thing they should learn how to do before ever starting the vehicle is know how to change your, change the tire. Earlier I'd mentioned about proper positioning of the jack on the vehicle. I had a friend who bought one of those Chevy HHRs. It was a used car, but one day we were helping her to change out the drive axle on her car. It's a front-wheel drive. 
So you have to jack up the front end, pull the wheel off, pull the brake assembly off, and then you start disassembling the wheel assembly to get to the to the axles. Well, with her car, it has specific points for you to put that jack. If you put it anywhere else, you will mess up the frame of the car because it has a aluminum, I believe they call it a unibody construction. And if you put that jack in the wrong spot, you'll hit a soft point and you'll bend the frame of the car or you can. And so it's very important that you know where to jack the car up at. And um, so, yeah, make sure you know where to jack it, how to jack it up, and then also how to remove the tire. Um, one of the little tricks is don't jack the car up and then try to loosen the lug nuts. Loosen the nuts. Don't take them off, but loosen them while it's on the ground because that will keep the tire from spinning while you're applying pressure. Otherwise, if you jack your car up and your wheel is up in the air dangling, then when you put the jack or your uh, lug wrench on there and turn, guess what's going to happen? Your tire is going to turn with it. Being a front-wheel drive car and if you're in gear, probably not going to happen. But if it's a rear-wheel drive car and you're working on the front end, your tire is going to spin. If it's front-wheel drive and you're working on the back of the car, your tire is going to spin. So just keep that in mind. Uh, let's see. What else we got? And uh, da, 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 Have you ever changed the tire? And do you know the proper jack placement? So yes, parents... If you've got a kid and you're giving them a vehicle, make sure they can change their own tire. That way, if they ever get stuck on the side of the road in a parking lot or even at the house and they come out in the morning and they've got a flat tire, they don't have to wait on you or somebody else to come and fix it for them. They can do it themselves. Now, number three, which is super important because of what's going on outside around me right now, is windshield wipers. One, do they work properly? And two, if they don't, do you know how to replace them? Because if you can't replace your own windshield wipers, what are you going to do if you're driving down the road, a storm hits, and suddenly you realize, my wipers aren't doing shit. Now, typically, if you go to O'Reilly's or AutoZone or Napa or any of the numerous auto parts stores, and you buy a pair of windshield wipers, they will come out and change them for you. But honestly, it, it takes all of like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes per wiper, and you can change it yourself if you know how to do it. So familiarize yourself with that. Always keep an eye on new windshield wipers. I usually change mine about every four to six months just to make sure I've got good wipers on the vehicle because there's nothing worse being stuck in a rainstorm and your wipers are basically just barely moving around stuff and they're not actually clearing the water from your windshield. Uh, let's see. So that was number three. Now number four, that goes into engine coolant. Uh, this is another one where you need to know your vehicle. Chevys like to use the orange coolant where Fords and a lot of other vehicles use the green coolant. Now, you can also buy a universal coolant, which supposedly is, it doesn't matter what color your car says it needs, you can use the stuff in any kind of car. Now, why is it important what you're using? Certain 
radiator fluids have special lubricants and protectants in them to help keep things like your water pump and um, thermostat and seals and everything in good condition. If you put the wrong type in, it could have a adverse reaction to your water pump, for instance. And then suddenly you're driving down the road and you start spewing water everywhere. Not a good thing. So make sure that one, you're using the proper type of coolant, and two, that your vehicle is properly filled. I would recommend checking when your car is cold, like first thing in the morning, and if your vehicle is already hot, then for the love of God, do not open your radiator cap, if you even have one. Um, A lot of the modern cars, they use a little reservoir, and that's all you have access to. But if you do have the cap, do not open the cap, when the vehicle is hot. Very bad things can happen. But yes, so that's number four, coolant level. Now, number five is checking your engine oil. Again, something very basic. You should always know where the dipstick for your engine oil is at. Typically, while transmission is important too, engine oil is a little more critical because typically most people don't have problems with their transmission. They're typically fairly well-sealed systems, And unless you've got something really bad going on, you should probably never have to worry about it. But engine oil, that is actually a big deal. You're supposed to change that every three to 5,000 miles. And if you've been driving the car for like a year and you've never checked it, that could be a very bad thing. You're going to want to go to a Jiffy Lube or some other place and have someone change the oil for you. But... If you're about to go on a road trip and you want to make sure everything is fine in the vehicle, I highly recommend your engine oil level being one of the things you check. And all you have to do while the engine is off, grab the little thing called a dipstick. Typically, they're colored yellow and fairly easy to see on an engine. You pull that out, wipe any oil off that's on it, stick it back in the hole, give it a second, and then pull it back out. And you'll see little hash marks on the stick. And typically there will be something about safe or add or something. It all depends on what kind of vehicle you have and how they label their dipsticks. But you want to make sure that you're not in an add area and that there's actually oil on the dipstick. Now if you put the dipstick in, you pull it out and you look at the oil that's on the stick and it's kind of a milky, creamy color you've got some potential problems. Typically that is somehow water got into your engine oil and you're going to want to get that looked at right away. But if it comes out and it's kind of a light brown or even a black color, then that means at least your oil is still oil. But the longer you drive the vehicle, the darker that oil is going to get. And if you go a really long time, it will start becoming a sludge. So every three to 5,000 miles, change your oil and keep an eye on it. You know, maybe once every two to five uh, gas fill-ups, pop your hood open, take a look at your engine oil. So number six, that one is covering your belts and hoses. On some vehicles, especially today's more modern vehicles, those are a royal pain in the ass to see. Sometimes they've got guards that cover them. Other times it's just the engine compartments are so cramped that you just 
you can't see down in there. But on the off chance that you can and that you actually give a rat's ass and want to check it, get yourself a flashlight and shine it down into your engine compartment. And depending on your vehicle, the hoses and belts and all that, well, hoses will be routed however they're routed. Um, you're going to want to find them and shine your flashlight over them and look to make sure you don't see any fluid dripping out of any of them. Also, make sure that it looks like they're in good shape. If you look at it and you can see liquid dripping out of one, or if it looks like it's kind of crumbly, you might want to change the hose or get somebody else to change it for you. On a belt, you're going to want to look at that and determine if there's any excessive cracking in it. Typically, most belts are good for anywhere from 30,000 to, I think, even up to almost 100,000, just depending on the brand and what it's made out of. 100,000 is a bit of an extreme stretch, though. Typically, 30 to 50 is the range that you want to change a, a belt on an engine. And to, to check that out, just shine your flashlight on it and look at it. And if you can see big cracks or if you see it looks like there's chunks missing out of it, get it changed. Uh, let's see. Next item, <laughs> number seven. This one drives me nuts whenever I'm with somebody that doesn't do this. But clean your windows, especially your windshield, outside and most definitely inside. Especially if the person that you're riding with is a smoker the inside of their windshield is going to have like this haze on it. and One, it's disgusting. But two, if you're driving at night, that haze, when the oncoming headlights hit it, it's going to obstruct your vision. It's going to make like a glare on the windshield. And it makes a royal pain in the ass to see anything. Especially at night, especially when it's raining. So keep your windows, your windshield, your back windows, your side windows, if it's glass, clean it inside and out. And let's see, number eight. This is one thing that I guarantee majority of people don't do anymore. Read the manual for your vehicle. You don't necessarily have to go page by page, word for word, but at least, at least flip through it and know where the information in there is in case you ever need it, like what kind of oil do I put in? There should also be a section in there on tire inflation, on how to change your tire, proper jack locations and everything. And especially if you're a brand new driver, it's a good way to familiarize yourself with your vehicle. So if you have a manual, read it. If you don't have a manual, go online. Google is your friend. Google the, the model, year, and make of your vehicle. And I'm sure you can find a manual online somewhere that you can download. Let's see here. We got number nine. If you have an issue on the road, do your damnedest to get off the highway. Every now and then you hear of someone, they had a blowout on the freeway, they pulled over to the side of the road, they get out, they start changing their tire, and what happens? They stand up or they slip, they trip, something. Somehow they get hit by an oncoming car. So, whenever you have a flat tire, let's say you're driving down the road, your tire blows out, you're going kathunk, kathunk, kathunk down the road, do your damnedest, if you can, to exit the freeway. So, if you're in the city and you're driving down the road, 
there's exits everywhere. Just ex just drive, get onto the shoulder, drive slow, and then try to make your way off the freeway. If you're in the middle of nowhere and there are no exits, well, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you probably don't have to worry about getting hit by a car. But still, pull over to the side, try to get to the the furthest you can off the road while still being in a safe and stable area so you can jack up your car and change a tire. I'd say about seven months ago, uh, my wife and I were going from Seabrook back to our house in Houston. And we're cruising down the road and suddenly something felt kind of funny and then boom, we hear we hear this, this like like the world is coming to an end inside our vehicle. And what it was is my driver's side rear tire blew out. So we kind of bounce along down the road for a few seconds until I'm able to get over to the shoulder. And I start doing about five, maybe 10 miles an hour on this flat tire for about, a, I'd say maybe half a mile because that's where the nearest exit was because it was at night and there's no way I was going to try to change that tire on the shoulder of the freeway. So I drove about, like I said, about half a mile doing about five, 10 miles an hour until I got to the exit, pulled off, got onto the feeder road and eventually pulled into the parking lot of a, I think it was a carpet store. And for the most part, nobody was there. There's like maybe the owner might've been there because there's one or two cars in the parking lot, but that was it. So I pulled off, stopped in the parking lot, got out all my tools, changed the tire back on the road in 10, 15 minutes at the most. And did it as safely as I could by not being on the freeway. Like I said, you always hear stories in the news about someone having an some kind of incident on the road and then they get hit while they're looking at it. And uh, that's just the biggest waste of life right there. So just get off the freeway and then start looking at stuff. Now the last item I've got for you. It's important and depending on where you live will depend on how important, but typically in the city, Seems like most people don't normally check their headlights or taillights or anything because there's always all these lights around you, so you don't notice these things. But periodically, you've still got to verify that all your lights work because if you get your vehicle a safety inspection every year, like we do in Texas, one of the things they look for, headlights, taillights, and turn signals. If one of those isn't working, they're going to bend you over and screw you on the price of fixing it there at the shop. So if you are about to go get your inspection done, just do a quick run around on the car. Turn on your hazards. Make sure all the lights that are supposed to be flashing are flashing. Turn on your um, headlights. Make sure they work. Make sure your brights work. And make sure that your taillights work. Um, simple thing to do. And if they don't work... Again, you go to O'Reilly's or AutoZone or any car care place or car parts provider. Tell them what year your car is and what light you're looking for. They'll get it for you. And then you can go put it in. But it's that simple. Anyhow, that that's it for now. That's car maintenance 101, basically. I'm sure I've probably left some things out. I'm sure there's probably things that you do differently than what I just described. And I would love to know what those things are. So 
as always, I'm going to say, if you like the show, leave me a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. If you know somebody that could use this information or needs the information, um, as one of the podcasts that I listen to say, you know, be sure to share this information with those you love and those, even those that you don't, because everybody needs to know this stuff. All I can say is stay safe out there. Make sure you like, rate, and review the podcast. Share the show with your friends, family, and uh, help me spread the message. Again, this this is a weekly show. I come out every. It comes out every Friday. I almost said I come out every Friday. My wife would have had fun with that one, but um, yeah, the show comes out every Friday. So I hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to follow me on all the social media. Uh, locations. You can find me on almost every podcast player out there, except for iHeart. iHeart's being a pain in my ass. Um, I've got to got to work a few things out in order to get on them. But you should be able to find me anywhere. Share me, and uh, I'll see y'all next time. Thank you for listening to the Reclaimed American Podcast. If you're ready to do more and be more. Start by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Google Play. Then join our community on Facebook and Instagram at Reclaimed American. And join us over on our website at ReclaimedAmerican.us. Reclaimed American.